Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. You're pumped this morning? Come on, you're pumped this morning? Today's an exciting day. Today's an exciting day. We're uh, going uh, online live stream into homes all over the world. Big welcome to our online congregation today. But you know also why I'm pumped today? Today's Pentecost Sunday. Today's the day we remember Jesus promised that if, if you wait, the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And 2,000 years ago, the power of the Holy Spirit was poured out from heaven on ordinary people like you and me and the church was birthed and we get the joy of sharing the good news of Jesus so that people's eternities are transformed. Amen? I want to share today some really important doctrines of the uh, biblical story that have got big words, but I want to do it really simply in a way that we can remember so that we can share it with others, so we can be confident in our relationship with God and, and we've got a confidence to share it with others. Anyone else this morning? It's just a, there's a hunger within your heart to share the good news of Jesus with other people. Oh, a couple of little hands going up. I want to pray this morning. We get to the end of this service and we just go through some, some really important doctrines and some really simple ways. I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit will be poured out on us today to share the good news of Jesus with people who need it here and all over the world. Let's pray right now. God, I thank you. I thank you that you are a God who sees us. You're a God who loves us. You're a God who is full of grace and rich in mercy. And God, I just want to thank you again today that you have saved us. By faith in Jesus Christ, we are saved for all of eternity. And God, I just want to say thank you. Remind us this morning how good that is. And God, fill us with courage to share that good news with others. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. When, uh, who here saved something or someone this week? Now, what, what is it that you, you saved this week? There's a whole uh, bunch of you today that saved a file on your computer. Put your hand up if you saved a file on your uh, computer this week. You saved it because you wanted to protect what you had created and you wanted you had a future purpose for it. And so you pressed save. And if you forgot to save that document, then you know what the Bible is talking about when it talks about weeping and gnashing of teeth. Intense regret. That what you have put all this work into, what you have created, it is gone and it hasn't been saved for the future use, the future purpose that you had 
for it. Who saved some money this week? Hands up if you saved some money this week. You know, you went into the shops and you saw that $300 pair of shoes was half price down to $150. And so you convinced yourself and then you went home and you tried to convince your spouse that you actually didn't spend any money, but you saved money because it was, it was half price. I hate shopping, but I absolutely love buying cheap meat at Woolies. It's the only thing I love to do. I just love to I duck in there on the way home from work. I duck in there late at night just to see if there's any specials there. And I just walk through the meat section. And, and I, I don't care if we've never eaten Osso Buco in our lives. If it's half price, I'm buying it. And Susan can work out how to cook it. You know, we save. We save money. We save files on our computer because they have great value to us and we want to protect them for a future purpose. Some of you here actually saved some lives this week. You are a doctor or a nurse or an AMBO or a cough or a lifesaver and you actually use your skills and, and your ability to actually save somebody's life in some way and we are so thankful for what you do. Come on, we just put our hands together for those who are on the front line to save it. Why do we do that and why are we all grateful for it? Because we know that every single person has value and there's a future purpose for them. Some of you here, you save stamps, you save clothes, you save furniture, you save cars that other people would throw out. But you save them and you protect them, you restore them because they have value to you, even though they don't have value to other people. And they've got a future purpose for you. They bring joy to you. This is the principle I want us to remember this morning. We save whatever has great value to us, and a future p purpose for us. Let me just say that again. We save whatever has great value to us and a future purpose for us. Now this morning we're continuing our series called A Better Story. We've looked through you know, creation and, and sin and the covenant that God made with people, with a sinful people. And, and today you know, I, I want to talk about a saviour has come, not just for one group of people that God have, had a covenant with, but for all people for all eternity. And there's a secular story. The secular story in our culture today simply says we have everything we need to save ourselves. And as we just continue on this self-improvement program that you know, the, the world is magically going to become a better place. So, so all we need is better education, better government, you know, better health care, better advances in, in science, better access to information, and then the mess that this world is, is in you know, will be restored, it, it will be saved. Now the problem is with this secular story is that we are living in a time where we have better education, we have better health care, we, we have bigger bank balances, you know, we have more access to information than we ever have in the history history of the world, but the world's not getting better. You know, loneliness is at, you know, pandemic levels. 
depression and anxiety is going through the roof. Families are more fractured than they ever have been. Our society is turned on the news and see our society is as divided as it ever has been in nations around the world. The secular narrative that we have everything within ourselves to save ourselves is simply not working. The biblical story is a different story. And I believe with all of my heart that it is a better story. And it is the hope for this broken world. The the biblical story is that we are sinners who need a saviour. We are sinners that are saved but by the grace of God. This is what the the Bible says. I'm just going to read from just just one chapter today. But uh, this is the story of the Bible, Ephesians chapter 2. It says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace that you have been saved. Can somebody online or in the room say, Amen, by the grace of God, we have been saved from our sins. Now what what Scripture says, what Scripture says is that Jesus has saved you from the penalty of sin. This is the first big word we need to understand, first big doctrine of the Bible is justification. Jesus has saved you from the penalty of sin. It's the doctrine of justification. Uh, Some ways that that, that people have described it as just if I'd never sinned. And we all need this justification. We all need Jesus to save us from the the, the penalty for our sins. In in the first couple of verses there, you know, Paul says, you know, know, he's talking to people in Ephesus who are Gentiles, and he says, once upon a time, you were simply worshipping idols and gratifying the, uh, the, the desires of your sinful nature. These are people who had never heard about the living God and had no idea how to live according to God's law. They'd never heard it before. They were simply gratifying the desires of their sinful nature. They were doing whatever they wanted, whatever felt good at the time. And Paul says, because of that, you were dead to God. You didn't know about God. You were separated from God. But then in verse 3, Paul starts speaking to the covenant people that we heard about last week. The the people who had, in their sin, God in his grace had reached out and and made a covenant with them. Said, you know, I am your God, you'll be my people, and, and these are the laws for you to follow. This is what it looks like to be my people. And Paul says, and we were just like the rest of them, like the rest of us. You know, our sins deserve death. We gratified our sinful nature and we were deserving of God's wrath. He's saying, 
There are a whole group of people who didn't even know who God was, what it meant to follow God, and they were dead in their sins. And then there's another group of people, and Paul's saying, I'm one of them. And he's talking to his, uh, his fellow Jews, and he's saying, we knew God, and we knew how we were supposed to serve God and follow God, but we couldn't do it. We kept failing. We too sinned. We too were deserving of wrath. He says, like the rest, we were deserving of wrath. You know, I said a couple of weeks ago, I think we've got a little blasé about sin. We live in a culture that doesn't even talk about sin anymore, but even in the church, I think we've got a little blasé. You know, about sin, sin's not really, we kind of know sin's not that good, but we're not sure that it's all that bad either. And so when we do use sin in, in our culture today, we do use the word sin, it just becomes like a guilty pleasure. You know, that ice cream was so rich, it was sinful. And Paul sets it straight here. He says, whoever you are, whether you've known God in the past and tried to follow him to the best of your ability, or whether you've never heard of him, and you've just been doing whatever you want. Sin destroys your relationship with God and you're deserving of God's wrath. Sin is disgusting. Sin is devastating. Sin is destructive. Destroys God's creation. You saying you want to understand why the world is in such a mess? One little three-letter word, sin. When we actually rebel against God, our creator. And there must be a penalty for sin. We actually don't like, and a lot of our culture today really reacts against this idea that, you know, that there's a penalty or a punishment because of sin. I, I remember a couple of years ago, I got a daughter who's doing a psychology and criminal justice degree. And uh, at the time, she had to go to a court of law as part of, as an assignment that she was doing. And, uh, and she had to, to give a report on, on a case that she sat in, in, a, in an open court. And as usual, I don't know if any of you have got kids like this, but as usual, she left her assignment to the last minute. And anyone else got children like that? You know, I got 48 hours to go, and she was petrified about going to court on her own. So dad gets dragged along to court and uh, went up to the bailiff and said, this is the kind of, you know, case we need to, uh, to be a part of. He said, there's only one case uh, like that today, but I'm not sure you really want to go to it. And I said, I'm sure I don't want to go to it, actually, but I'm, I'm being a good dad. And we went in, and it was a horrific case. It was a child abuse case, and it was awful. And family members were in there. And you could hear the pain and sins were just laid out on the table just as plain as day what this man had done. I was only in there 15 minutes. Well, I was in there longer, but for the, in 15 minutes I already made up my mind. There's got to be a penalty for this sin. This sin cannot go unpunished. This sin cannot be allowed to go free. There must be justice for these actions. And all of us here in this room would agree. There's got to be justice for such horrendous actions. But we don't like to see ourselves in the same light before God. We don't like to see that we too, we may not have rebelled in that way. 
And we may not have rebelled to that extent or in such a repulsive kind of way. But Paul is making it abundantly clear. We have all sinned. We are all deserving of the wrath of God because we have gratified our sinful desires. There must be justice. There must be a penalty for sin. But there's this big but here in the Bible. We don't often say that big buts are good buts, but this is a big but, and it's a really good but. It says, like the rest of us, we were all deserving of the wrath of God, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our sins. When you were dead in your sins and you faced an eternity without God, an eternal death and separation from God because of his great love for you, God, who is rich in mercy, he made you alive with Christ. He cancelled out the debt of your sins. Jesus Christ is another yeah, big uh, doctrine of the Bible, the substitutionary atonement of Christ. It simply means Jesus became your substitute, the penalty for your sin that you deserved. Jesus took upon himself on the cross. He substituted himself in your place. He atoned for your sin. He covered over, he made amends, he paid the debt for your sins. And on the cross, as he breathed his last breath, he said, it is finished. It has been done. You have been justified. It's pretty good news. You know, we get a little blase about sin and how bad it is. I tell you, church, we get a little blase about how good God is. Let me say it one more time. Because of his great love for you, God, who is rich in mercy, made you alive in Christ when you were dead in your sins. Can I hear an amen this morning? You know, the first time, the first time I really understood that, I was 19 years old, just absolutely gobsmacked by the grace of God. I just could not stop telling people about it. Everywhere I went, I just, it was just an overflow out of my heart. I just had to tell people how good God is, that Jesus had died for our sins, we can be made right with God. Nearly 30 years later, sometimes I get a little blase about the goodness of God. And it doesn't just flow out of me in the same way. I wonder if there's some of us here in this room are exactly the same. We've just forgotten how good God is. The world needs to hear this story. You know, many of us actually find it difficult to believe that God's really this good. Now, I'm confident if I ask for a show of hands, whether it's here in the room or online today, who has ever doubted their salvation, doubt, doubted that they are safe in God's hands for all eternity at some time in the last year? I'll guarantee that half of the room would actually say sometime in the last year, I just haven't been sure. 
And it's not because you haven't heard the gospel before, that, that God loves you and so he died for you. you. You've heard it. That's not the problem. It's not even because you haven't prayed a prayer, confessing your sins and asking Jesus to forgive your sins. You've prayed that prayer. And if you haven't, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that here in the room and online uh, later this morning if you haven't done that. But most of you here, you, you've already done that. You've prayed that prayer. That's not the problem. And, and it's not that you don't know John 3.16. You have memorized it. You've crocheted it. You've put it on your screen, Savior. You know, Luca was up here leading worship before. Didn't he do a good job? Come put your hands together for Luke, who was leading us in worship. He's probably got it tattooed on his arm somewhere. You know, we know John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's not that you don't know that or haven't heard that. That's not the problem. The, the reason that we doubt our salvation, we doubt our justification before God is because we still sin. And we think, does God really value me? Does God really have a purpose for me? Has God really saved me? Because I've still got all this mess in my life. God wants you to know. That's why it's, Paul particularly has made it so clear in the Scriptures. It's been done. You have been saved from the penalty of sin that's been done in the past and God has you safe in his hands for the future. It's really important that we get this. Because the story that we believe will actually shape our lives. It will determine the story of our lives. And it's never good to be in a relationship where you're not confident in the way someone feels about you. Imagine if I wasn't certain about Susan's love for me. You know, I wouldn't feel confident to ask her for help and wisdom in how to pack the dishwasher. And, and I tell you, I need help. I need her wisdom every day. You know, if I wasn't confident in her love for me, I, I wouldn't be confident to eat the meal that she puts before me. You know, I... I wouldn't be sure whether she's marinated it in something delicious or she's laced it with arsenic because she wants to do away with me. And I'd have to work out how to cook osso buco myself. You know, if I wasn't confident in the way that she felt about me, I wouldn't be confident to sidle up next to her on the lounge at night and give her a little cuddle. I don't know if she's going to punch me in the face or cuddle me back. And I need a little cuddle every now and again. And God wants you to be confident in your relationship with him because he knows that you need his wisdom. You need to ask him for help. You need him to feed you spiritually. You need his comfort and his peace. That's so why Hebrews 4.16, it says, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence in our time of need. Confident that by his grace and his mercy, he will help us in our time of need. Really important we get this. You have been saved from the penalty of your sin because God values you and he has a future purpose for you. 
But we often use the word saved to describe the moment in time we became a Christian. And it's partly right. There was a moment in time you, you asked Jesus to come and forgive your sins and you were justified, made alive with Christ. But when Paul's talking about being saved here, he's not just talking about a moment in time of moving from death to life. Being saved actually describes the whole work of Christ in our lives past, which I've just talked about, being justified, present and future. You see, the word saved or sozo in the Greek means to rescue, to restore, to preserve, to protect, to heal, to make whole and to keep safe. And so when Paul writes here in Ephesians 2, it is by grace that you have been saved. He's writing actually in the, in the perfect present tense, which means it's an action that has been completed, but it's an ongoing work in your life today. Something has happened, but there's a continual result in your life right now. You see, Jesus has saved you from the penalty of sin. It's been done just if, just if I'd never sinned. But he is saving you from the power of sin. It's a different doctrine. It's called the doctrine of sanctification. It's an, the ongoing saving work of Jesus in our lives, saving us from the power of sin. And sin is powerful. Many of us here in this room, many of us online, we know how powerful sin are. We know how powerful our addictions are, how powerful our pride is, how powerful our envy and jealousy is, how powerful our selfishness is, how, how powerful our, 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 our hatred and bitterness can be. Even when we want to let it go, we don't seem to have the willpower in and of ourselves to actually see the change happen. Now the good news is that at the, at the cross Jesus saved you from the penalty of sin but he also broke the power of sin and he is saving you every day from the power of sin. Paul says in Philippians continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it's God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. They're saying Jesus is still at work in you doing his saving work today. He's restoring you He's healing you. He's making you whole. Why? Because you have great value to God and he's protecting you for a future purpose. There is an improvement program going on in the world today, but it's not a self-improvement program. It's Jesus at work in our lives sanctifying us, making us more like himself. Returning us, restoring us, saving us to the image of God that we are created in. Who here had a shower in the last 24 hours? Just come and show. I, I put your hand up for this one, just be clear, okay? People in your row are looking. I haven't. That's why I'm up here and I won't sit next to you. I haven't had a shower since Friday morning. I went to have a shower on Friday night and discovered our hot water heater had blown up and I was too soft to have a cold shower. And yesterday, instead of being a pastor, I was a plumber and I discovered very, very quickly I'm a better pastor than I am a plumber. And I was really glad that church was today because I had some confessing of sins to do. I'm not good at plumbing. Took me the whole day to hook up a new hot water heater and who knows, your hot water heater is hooked up to off-peak power. And so it didn't get warm until this morning. 
And this morning, as usual, I got up very, very early, put all my clothes on, jumped in the car, got halfway to work and realised I haven't had a shower since Friday morning. And it feels dirty. But don't worry, I used half a can of deodorant and I aftershaved my whole body. But it feels dirty, it feels grimy. Just because I was clean on Friday, my body's gotten dirty in that time and I don't feel clean anymore. It's a bit like the sanctification process. It's an ongoing washing and cleaning over time, making us more like Jesus. We all know John 3.16. Many of us don't know John 3.17. I'm going to read it in the um, message because I just loved reading it this week. It says, God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger telling the world how bad it was. He came to help, to put the world right again. And later on in his letter in 1 John chapter 1, he actually tells us you know, how he helps, how this sanctification process works. He says, we, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. He says the blood of Jesus Christ, it cleanses us and it goes on cleaning us. If you say that you are without sin, you are a liar. We've all, in the process of being sanctified, of being cleansed of our sin, to become more and more like Jesus, more and more like the image of God that he created. It's an ongoing washing by the Spirit and the Word. And John gives us some really simple ways that it happens. He says it happens when you confess your sin. You don't try and self-justify it. You actually name it for what it is and when you bring your sin into the light. If you want to keep it in the dark and you want to keep self-justifying your sin, saying it's okay, everybody's doing it, that sin will continue to have power over you and it'll destroy your relationship with God. It'll destroy the relationships of the people around you. He says, I don't want that to happen. I want to keep washing you. I want to keep restoring you. I want to keep making you more like Jesus. This is what you to do. Confess your sin. It's daily practice. And bring it into the light. You don't have to confess the sins you, you, you committed three years ago. It's been dealt with. In a daily way, confess the sins of your heart. Say, God, I need your help. Bring it into the light with your brothers and sisters. I was down at the men's shed Last night, over 100 blokes gathered down there. I just heard story after story of guys saying, I've found a place where I can be myself, where I can confess the struggles that I have. And Jesus has set me free. And I'm now a better man. I'm a better husband. I'm a better dad. I've got a better marriage. It's sanctification. They've confessed their sins. They've brought it into the light with their brothers and they've been set free from the power of it. 
It's an ongoing process. Just because there's still some sin in your life that needs to be sanctified, it doesn't mean that you're not justified. It doesn't mean that the penalty of sin hasn't been paid for you. It has. But Jesus doesn't want you on a self-improvement program. He wants to keep working in you. He wants to keep cleaning you, restoring you. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from sin day by day until we become more and more like Christ. And one day, Jesus will save everyone with faith in him from the very presence of sin. Glorification. Justification. Sanctification. Glorification. One day we'll be saved from sin for all eternity. We'll never see it again. It'll never impact us again. Let me just read this last couple of verses from Ephesians chapter 2. It says, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Paul is so certain about your position in heaven through faith in Christ that he speaks of it as a reality now that will continue throughout the ages, throughout all eternity. He says we've been seated with Christ in heaven, the seat's already there. And even though we're walking around on earth now and we have a saviour who understands our suffering, he understands our struggle, whatever you're going through right now, well, you've got a saviour in heaven who knows what it feels like to be abandoned, to be rejected, you know, to be, to be cursed, to be pushed aside, to be abused. He knows what it feels like and in this age he walks through that suffering with us. He empathizes with us. He holds us and he carries us. But there will be a day where he does away with suffering once and for all. Because when Jesus died on that cross to take the penalty for your sins and he was put to death, his dead body was placed into a tomb and it looked like that was the end of the story. But on the third day, some women went to that tomb to anoint his dead body, and he was not there. There's an angel there who said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Jesus has defeated the power of sin and of death, and one day he is coming again to banish sin and evil from this world for all eternity. Right now, we've been saved from the penalty of sin. He is saving us from the power of sin every day, and one day... We will be saved from the presence of sin for all of eternity. Sin does not have the end of the story. This is a better story. Jesus wins. The good news is this story is for everyone. Every single one of us, doesn't matter where we're born, doesn't matter what we've done, doesn't matter how messed up we are, it's for everyone. It's by grace that you've been saved. It's not by your good works. You can't earn it. You didn't deserve it. You're saved by faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, full stop. 
And it's for every single person you ever lock eyes with. There's no one that's too far from God. There's no one that's too filled with sin. There's no one who's messed their life up too much. It's for every single person you ever lock eyes with. Grace is what sets Christianity apart from every other religion on planet Earth. Grace is the unmerited love and favor of God. You are saved not by good works, but you are saved by good works. Sorry, let me say it again. You are not saved by good works, but you are saved for good works. This passage finishes one of my favorite verses in the Bible. You are God's handiwork. You are God's masterpiece. You are God's work of art created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for you to do. There's a saving work he does in you so that you can be part of his saving presence in the world. There's good works out there for you to do. God is saving you because he has, you have great value to him and he's got a future purpose for you. If you found the Mona Lisa, how's Mona going? (laughs) If you found the Mona Lisa in a bin out the back of the Louvre, I know it's very hard to get to the Louvre right now, but if you did, you found Mona in the bin all covered in mud, Messed up, stained, polluted. I'll guarantee you not one of us would leave that Mona Lisa in the bin. Why? Why wouldn't we leave it in the bin? It's got value. It's worth $867 million. It's got great value. We wouldn't leave it in the bin. It wouldn't matter how much mud it was covered in. There's a masterpiece underneath, created by the master himself, Leonardo da Vinci. It's 500 years old and it's brought joy to generations through the centuries. And we'd, we'd, we'd make sure it got saved and restored and, and, and washed clean. We wouldn't do it ourselves. We'd find a master art restorer. <laughs> Liz is my PA but she's also a master art restorer. We'd find someone with the skills to restore it and to save it. It wouldn't matter how muddy and dirty and polluted it was because underneath all of that mess is a masterpiece with great value and a purpose for generations to come. You need to understand if you're here in this room or online and you feel like your life is so polluted and stained and messed up by sin, maybe your own sin, and for some of you here today, the sins that others have committed against you. It wasn't even your fault and you feel dirty. You feel stained and polluted. You wonder whether I really have any value to God. I want to assure you today the message of the Bible the story of the Bible it says it does not matter how muddy, dirty, sin-stained your life is. You are a one-of-a-kind work of God's art. He had your picture hanging on his wall before one of them came to be. All the days ordained for you were written in his book before one of them came to be. 
You are His creation, fearfully and wonderfully made. There is no one else like you. And if you're looking at someone else who's life is stained and polluted by sin you're wondering whether God could ever save them same deal masterpiece work of art saved by Christ Jesus to do good works which he prepared in advance for us to do there's a saving that happened on the cross and there's a washing that goes on in our lives until we see Jesus face to face in all his glory and it's going to be a good day remember we save whatever has great value to us and a future purpose for us the Mona Lisa is protected in a humidity controlled bulletproof case in the Louvre it's been reframed varnished state of art the art alarm to protect it it's kept safe because it has great value and it's preserved for future generations to enjoy. Great cost. You need to understand, that might be worth $867 million. But God saw such great value in you. He gave His one and only Son to die on a cross so that you could be justified, just if you'd never sinned. Every day you could be sanctified washed clean more and more like Jesus every day that masterpiece that's been polluted by sin just getting clearer and clearer every day and one day sin will be banished forever <laughs> amen there's some amens down here we'll be glorified we'll be in his glory forever it's a good story it's a better story than any story this world has got I was reminded just last week of the importance of sharing this story. We must never stop sharing this story. Many of you heard me tell this story before in 1952. My grandfather had never been to church. He had a neighbor named Frank, just an ordinary guy like you and me, who kept inviting him to church, kept trying to share the good news of Jesus with him. My grandfather kept rejecting him. Until one day, Frank came along. He just bought a car. My grandfather had never owned a car. and said, if you come to church with me, I'll let you drive my car to church. My grandfather changed his mind, which I'm very grateful for. He went to church and he said it was the first time in his life that he ever understood that he was a sinner who needed a saviour. And he put his faith in Jesus Christ. And I've got a little certificate in my Bible that I carry with me everywhere I go. It says, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, believing this with all my heart and resting wholly upon the finished work of Jesus for salvation. I confess my faith in him at Epping Church of Christ on the Lord's Day, July the 6th, 1952. Frank Ellsmore, a sinner saved by grace. My grandfather, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Hang on. My grandfather died 20 years ago. But my grandmother only died 18 months ago and when we got to do a funeral we had to fight over it four generations in a room every single person is a follower of Jesus Christ and he's actively serving somewhere in the church discovered grace being healed by his mercy and his grace every day we had to fight over doing the funeral because seven of us are pastors I preached I preached at my cousin's church down the Gold Coast last Sunday night 
It was cool. It's a surfy church on the coast. There's no chairs. Everyone's sitting on the floor on blankets, just hanging out. Kids running everywhere. It's an absolute chaotic mess. But it was awesome. My cousin from the same stock turned out a little different to me. Leading this great church and people are hearing the good news of Jesus. Why? Because one man 70 years ago would not give up on my grandfather and believed that the good news of Jesus Christ can transform lives and has transformed our family for generations. And people around Australia are continuing to hear the good news of Jesus because of one name. I want to pray for many of you in a minute. Just saying, I'm not going to give up sharing the good news of Jesus, the grace of Jesus Christ. I'm going to do it. I don't care. I don't care how sin-stained this world looks or someone else looks or I feel. God says you're a masterpiece. But first, I want to pray for a few. There's a few here. Today is your day to put your faith in Jesus Christ, to be able to stand before God and say, it's just as if I'd never sinned. And start this journey of sanctification until one day you know the joy of glorification. Let's go ask everyone to just close their eyes and bow their heads. And this is for you online as well. If anyone here just wants to pray a prayer, just asking Jesus to come and forgive your sins, to save you from the penalty of sin, begin saving you from the power of sin. I just want to pray a prayer with you today. Just asking Jesus to come, forgive your sin, to make Jesus Lord and Saviour of your life. Receive His grace today. Just while every eye is closed and head is bowed, if that's the prayer you want to pray today, can I just get you, if you're in the room, to raise your hand? And if you're online, just to press that uh, button that's on the screen right now. If that's you today, just raise your hand if you want to pray that prayer with me this morning. Just for a second, just so I can see it. Just so I know who I'm praying with. Bless you down the front. Who else today? Just saying, I'm, I'm praying that prayer today. Bless you. Awesome. Anybody else today? Give you one more chance. Up the back. Awesome. Bless you. You can put your hand down. If you're online, it's just awesome too. I'm going to ask whether you're in the room or online with us today, would you just pray? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you've always loved me. I'm sorry for the way that I've sinned against you. And I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die in my place. I ask today that you would forgive my sins. God, would you make it today just as if I'd never sinned? I choose to follow you as Saviour and Lord from this day forward. I pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said, hey, can we just put our hands together with you online? Get some love hearts going if you're in the room. Put your hands together. Hey, we're going to stand together. If you have, did pray that prayer for the first time today, we've got a prayer team down here who'd love to pray with you at any time between now and when they uh, go home. So just come and let us know. But can we all stand together today? I reckon there's a whole bunch of us today. I'd just love to pray for. 
We're going to finish by singing a great song. It just says, you know, Jesus, what a beautiful name. I just don't want us to forget how good Jesus is, how much he's done for us. I just believe on this Pentecost Sunday, there's some of us here today saying, oh God, would you just fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit? Fill me with courage, fill me with boldness, fill me with passion, that I would share the good news of Jesus. Maybe for some of you, just like I used to in times gone by. Maybe for some of you for the first time ever. I'm going to get our prayer team and our pastoral team down here. I want to pray over you as a big group in a minute. But just come. Just come on Pentecost Sunday and say, God, fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit. I want to share your good news with those who don't yet know him. Jesus promised the Holy Spirit power will come from on high from my spirit and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. If there's any day on our calendar to get filled with the spirit, to share the good news of Jesus, it's today. Come on, just start to come. Let someone pray for you. I'm going to pray for us all in a minute. You were the word at the beginning One with run to the front right now. Come on, I know there's more of you. Just with a hunger to share the good news of Jesus, to be part of seeing eternal destinies transformed. On this Pentecost Sunday, I want to pray that there will be an impartation from heaven. You will receive power from on high. Come on, just come, stretch your arms out wide and say, I'm in. I'm in. You're all going to do it differently. You're all going to do it in your own way. And God is going to bless it. God is going to use you. Today, God, for those that have got their arms stretched out wide online and for those down the front of this room, God, by your Holy Spirit, we pray for Pentecost fire to come. God, there'd be a courage and a boldness and a joy. 
God, a great joy in sharing your good news. God, would you help us to open our mouths and share our stories. Help us to open our mouths and share your story. God, I pray that we just be sharing with people around us just the simple victories we're having, the way that you're sanctifying us, the victories that we found in you. And God, I just know, I just know it's going to spike an interest in people's hearts and minds as people as you just share a little story of the way that the power of Jesus is setting you free in one area of your life. People are going to say, I want to be part of that. I want a bit of that. God, would you help us to share the story of you at work in our lives? I don't think we should use the word sanctification, but I want you to tell your sanctifying story. I want you to tell the story. God, tonight, today, God, by your Holy Spirit, fill us with power to share our stories that your good news would go from our mouths and it will get seen in our lives in a way that people's lives will be transformed for all eternity, that generations will be changed. I pray a blessing and empowering by your Holy Spirit today in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Hey, come on, let's just continue to pray for one another.
so good. I tell you, the world has nothing to offer you, but Jesus has everything to give you. Enjoy, enjoy Him this week. Enjoy sharing Him with others this week. God bless you. See you next week. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you've made a decision to follow Christ, we would love to encourage you on your journey. Help us help you by going to gatewaybaptist.com.au and clicking on Get Connected.